Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you have a Bible, follow along while I begin reading in verse 1. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. Now Saul heard that David was discovered and the men who were with him. Saul was sitting at Gebeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with a spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, people of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who stood by the servants of Saul, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priest who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my Lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him, so that he is risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priest of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priest, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of priests, he put to the sword both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. 
But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. And David said to Abathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safekeeping. In this chapter, David has fled Gath and gone to a place called the Cave of Adullam, and there he's joined by a band of about 400 misfits. David's family also meets him there, and he's worried for their safety, so he takes them to Moab and asks the king of Moab if he will protect them. He agrees, and David then goes down to the land of Judah and hides in a forest. Saul hears that people know where David is, and he goes to the people of Benjamin and accuses them of making some kind of deal with David, that maybe he's giving them land or promising them positions of authority in exchange for their allegiance. It's then that Doeg the Edomite, who had been in Nob when David went through there, spoke up and told Saul that Ahimelech had helped David escape and may even know where he was. So Saul summons Ahimelech the priest and all of his father's house and all the priests who were in Nob and bring them and ask them why they had helped David. And Ahimelech says, I didn't do anything for David that I haven't done over and over again. As far as Ahimelech knew, David was still the most trusted servant in Saul's court. And he had inquired of God for David on multiple occasions. So he didn't know he had done anything wrong. But Saul is not being reasonable. He just knows that David got away because of the help that he received in Nob. So he tells his guard to strike down Ahimelech and all the other priests. The guard refuses to do it. So he turns to Doeg and Doeg the Edomite immediately slays 85 priests that day. He then goes to Nob and totally destroys the city. All of the wives of the priest and their children and totally destroys the city. One man's able to get away and get to David and let him know what's happened. And now David expresses remorse for being responsible for the death of so many people. But he does tell Abiathar to stay close to him, that as long as he's with David, he would be safe. This is one of those stories where all of the bad things are happening to good people and the bad people seem to be thriving. Doeg is endearing himself to the king, and the king is slaughtering people to maintain his control of the kingdom. David's on the run. He's having to put his parents in protective custody. He's relying on help from about 400 people who don't fit into society anywhere else. And now he's found out that he's responsible for the death of 85 priests and their whole families. This has to be an absolutely overwhelming time for David. He's hiding in caves and in forest. He has been promised by God that he will be the king of Judah, yet he's running for his life and other people are being killed because of their interaction with him. We'd certainly understand if David was thinking, why is all of this happening to me? If God intends good for me, why is so much bad happening? Some people will even go so far as to blame God for the bad things that happen in their life. But the reality is that God created all of us with free will. We get to make our choices about how we'll behave, what we'll think, who we'll align ourselves with. And as a result of that, many innocent people are hurt when others exercise their free will. When they do the things they want to do, it can often bring harm to others. These things aren't happening because they're God's will. They're happening because other people chose not to surrender to God's will. 
that's what's happening to David here. Everything that's happening is because Saul is making bad choices. Saul was given every opportunity to succeed as long as he surrendered his will to the will of the Lord. But he chose not to, and he started trying to hang on to power through his own means and elevate himself. This wasn't working, so he became more and more desperate. And as he acted out, David and others were affected by that. God wasn't causing these bad things. Saul was. What God was going to do was work through them and still bring about his purposes. Because evil oppresses good, but it does not have power over it. Let's face it, many of us have found ourselves in circumstances that we just didn't understand. We couldn't figure out why our circumstance was so bad when we looked at others who may not have the strength of character that we have or may not have the allegiance to Jesus that we have, but they seem to be thriving. And then in the midst of that, another thing happens and then something else. And it just seems like a bomb has exploded in our presence and we've been hit by the shrapnel. We didn't build the bomb or set it off, but we've been hit by the debris from when it exploded. Unfortunately, when there's an explosion like that and shrapnel flies in every direction, it will hit innocent people. And in our cases, the effects of those injuries can be anxiety or depression, maybe doubt or fear. And these feelings are real, but you and I know that kind of discouragement can skew our thinking. And Satan wants to use your discouragement to win spiritual battles. God has the power to bring about good in the face of evil. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Notice that passage doesn't say everything that happens to you will be good. The promise is that God will work with you in those circumstances to bring about good. But we hate the affliction. We hate having bad things happen to us when we don't feel like we deserve them. Where do we find safety in the midst of such a chaotic world where people and circumstances are causing us problems? How do we find safety amid the evil that's in our world? First of all, I think it's very important that we understand our condition. We need to realize the circumstances that we're in and our inability to handle them on our own. We're told that the group that assembled around David was distressed and indebted and was discontented or bitter in their souls. They came to him and were willing to make him their commander or leader. They needed some direction. They needed a sense of purpose. Far too often, we're not willing to admit that we need that kind of help, that we need the kind of direction that these folks did. And so we end up wandering aimlessly, going from one bad situation to another and never finding success. We're convinced it's not fair and we don't deserve it, yet we're not taking any of the steps that God provides for us to find our way out, to follow his direction and his leading. That may come to us in the form of another person in a similar circumstance like David was in, or it may come to us from someone who speaks to us, so a word from God, like the prophet Gad who told David that he needed to depart and go into the land of Judah. But we've got to be open to good advice. We've got to be open to direction. We can't assume that we can handle this on our own. We've shown that doing it on our own just keeps leading to more and more problems. So we have to realize that we need direction. And from there, we need to be willing to unite with others. 
If we're having difficulty breaking the oppression of evil in any way, whether it's loneliness or anxiety, depression, doubt, fear, any of those things, if we're looking to break free from that oppression, the most important thing in our lives becomes how we're treated by other Christians. But for them to have an opportunity to do the Lord's work in our life, we have to connect ourselves with them. We have to be open to their care and love. David didn't know these 400 men that had assembled together with him, but they gave him what he needed in the form of courage and support that helped him go on and accomplish things that he needed to. But by the same token, he was there for them. Too often we think our situation has to be solved before we can be helpful to others. And that's just not true. David here is able to provide help and strength, encouragement and direction to these folks. And they gladly follow him as a result, all of them now going about doing the things that God wants. You never really know the true impact you have on those around you. You never know how much someone needed a smile that you gave them. You never know how much your kindness turned someone's entire life around. You never know how much someone needed that long hug or deep talk. So Don't wait to be kind. Don't wait for someone to be kind first. Don't wait for better circumstances or for someone to change. Just be kind because you never know how much someone needs it. 1 John chapter 4 tells us that we experience the fullness of God's love when we love one another. It's important when we're in our darkest hours, when we're in our deepest despair, when we feel like we've been hit with shrapnel that we unite ourselves with people who can help us, encourage us, and provide direction. But ultimately, what's needed is for us to understand who can save our life. David knew he wouldn't save his own life. He knew it wouldn't even be saved just by these 400 men who were around him. It was going to be God who protected him, cared for him, and made sure that he overcame. Very often when we read stories about people going through trials, we wonder what they were thinking. Well, in David's case, we can actually read some of his thoughts. If you go to Psalm 57, in the intro to that psalm, we're told that David wrote this psalm while he was in a cave fleeing from Saul. This is the cave of Adullam. And in it, David cries out to God. Verse 1, he says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for In you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. David understood that he was in a tough spot, that Saul absolutely wanted to kill him. But if he was going to survive this, it would be because God intervened and kept it from happening. God had made David promises that I'm sure at times he thought would never be fulfilled. But in this moment of his darkest despair, he cries out to God knowing he is his hope. It's important that we're willing to stay connected to God. He's the one that will save our lives. And I'm afraid too often we imagine this connection to God means this ability to glean new information or a new way of doing things that God has never revealed before, but he's going to reveal it just to us to help us escape our trouble. 
But staying connected to God doesn't always provide more information or new information. What it does is prepares our hearts so that we can do the things we already know that God wants us to do. Too often in our circumstances, we're wanting God to give us a different answer. We're wanting him to give us new information. But what he's calling us to do is to keep doing the things he's already revealed to us. Keep doing the things he's already asked us to do. Maybe start doing those things as a corrective measure to our trouble. That may include loving our enemies or enduring hardship. But in every case, it ends in celebration and thanksgiving when we put our trust in the Lord. Psalm 57 is not the only psalm that David wrote in that cave. We're also told that he wrote Psalm 142. Again, he talks about the Lord being his refuge and when his spirit is fanned, as God who lifts him up and takes care of his soul. But in the last verse of that psalm, he says, Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. David knows that God has the capacity and the willingness to bring him through every hardship to help him overcome. And for that, David is grateful. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. We can find safety even in the midst of those bad things. If we're willing to admit that we need help, unite ourselves with others and understand ultimately who it is that saves our life. And not just that he can, but that he will. So that even in the midst of our trials, we will be able to give thanks to his name. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.